Well, hello, hello, hooray, hurrah. It is Tuesday, January the 17th of 2017. My name is Nolan Kaler. And I'm Nicolene Clausen-Weeb. The ever-busy uh, Nicolene Clausen-Weeb. <laughs> you are listening to Wittenberg Radio, CMU's most subscribed to podcast. Find us on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. We are also online at wittenbergradio.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Wittenberg Radio. And wittenbergradio at gmail.com is the place to send us your comments, questions, listener concerns, New Year's resolutions. What was the other thing we asked for? Song suggestions. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I don't think we've got any of those for today. Not that, that I've seen. But I do have an update to a story <coughs> that we published not that long ago. Well, ah. I mean, it's sort of long ago to September. You might remember our first episode of the year. We talked to Kenton Loby about someone finding him at his church to tell them that they had found his iPod on the ground in South Africa. Crazy. It was an amazing story. Well, yeah. an update to that story is that uh, last week, Kenton received a box in the mail, and inside, with the screen only slightly cracked, was his iPod. Wow. Which has Amazing. So that story is now complete. The iPod has rejoined uh, him <laughs> and his family, and uh, now you know. Don't lose your iPod in the, <laughs> in the sand of South Africa. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't always bank on being that lucky that someone will just find it and <laughs> That's and then return yeah. to you and there's a lesson too that you don't want to put a lock screen on your on your uh, phone or device yeah, because then people won't know how to find you very cool interesting huh. yeah fascinating stuff and what a cool story that we got to lead off with here so i have a song for today and i think it fits quite well uh you might remember the blizzarding conditions of last week and uh I made the very foolish decision of biking uh, <laughs> on that day, um, oh. and it was just, yeah, it was a blustery occasion. I brought out my ski goggles for the first time in of the year, yep. and um, I thought it'd be a great time to play my favorite song about snow. What is that? It's a beautiful tune by a Canadian singer-songwriter uh, named Joel Plaskett, and uh, he wrote this tune called Snowed In. All right. So, I'd love to play that song here now. This is Joel Plaskett with Snowed In.
There you are. Joel Plaskett snowed in one of my all-time favorite jams here nice. on Wittenberg Radio. So it is uh, the one of the first episodes of the month, which means that it's time for Columnist Week Woo-hoo. here on the show. So we are bringing in our, of course, intrepid Isla Manning for Isla's Disappointments coming up a little bit later on the show. Kenji Dick will be stopping by as well for his culture column. But first, let's have a sit down with uh, Jason Friesen of our sports column. Our first column of 2017 comes to us from the wide world of sports. Jason Friesen, third-year communications and media student here at CMU and setter on the CMU men's volleyball team. How's it going? Going awesome. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. So I anticipated when you came in here today that we'd be talking about the World Junior Hockey Championship. Um, But that is not the subject at hand. Uh, You've brought something far more interesting to to the table and something that maybe even fewer people will know about. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, about FIFA, I understand. Yeah, uh, recently uh, they passed a vote uh, and their plan is in the 2026 World Cup, uh, the Soccer World Cup, of course. Uh, they're going to expand the field of teams from 32 to 48 teams, uh, so a lot more teams will, or a lot more countries will get in, uh, which uh, could do a lot of good. Might also water down the uh, competition of the World Cup. So, uh, but yeah, they've made that decision, and so they're going forth with it. What do you think uh, motivates something like this? Is it so that they continue to have fan bases in uh, countries that may not necessarily follow the World Cup, or is it uh, like simply because the competition is too, I don't know, lop- like it's not lopsided enough? Or, <laughs> <laughs> um, I it seems like they're really, really trying to grow the game, which sounds silly for soccer because soccer's played everywhere. Um, but uh, along with this decision, they have also barred Europe and Asia from bidding for the 2026 for hosting the 2026 World Cup Hmm. um, because Russia is hosting it in 2018 and Qatar in in Asia is hosting it in 2022 so it really seems like they're pushing to expand it and from what I've read uh, North America seems to be a uh, top contender for this whether that's in Canada or the US or Mexico or a combination of two or potentially three of them I've heard uh might be a possibility for that so a combination so like so like tournament can be played in u.s canada and mexico at the same time that's that's what i've heard it seems a little bit of a stretch canada and mexico are quite far away (laughs) but uh the reality is that if they expand to this large of a tournament uh the tournament will be going on for at least a month uh so it's a very very long tournament uh there will be 
what they've decided is 16 groups of three teams for the round robin. So that creates a lot of groups, and you're going to need a lot of stadiums. So, um, yeah, that uh, that kind of forces you to be in a large, large area, I think. That's interesting that they would require more stadiums because, I mean, as we as we often note with, with FIFA, these sorts <laughs> of things require that they build new stadiums to make new revenue streams, in which often is not, you know, the best of uh, things situations for the for the environment. So I mean, I I, I guess I suppose I, I like the idea of having it on three separate in three separate countries, but um, maybe that will result in there being like you don't need to build venues to have it contained to one country. Yeah, that 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 very well could be the case, and uh, um, yeah, I would think that three countries would be a little much, but that could be just rumors at this point. But um, I think they've definitely considered. Uh, shared at least between two whether that's canada u.s or u.s mexico they've definitely <laughs> done that before like i remember there was a world cup of a number of years ago that was in japan and korea right so that they've th- that's definitely a road that they have mm-hmm. gone before now uh uh the, the u.s uh the canadian women's soccer team has like has long been considered a strong contender in the world field so they'll have no issue getting into a world cup whether it's uh this new expanded field or the field that they currently have the Canadian men's team, not nearly as well regarded on the world stage. Does this expansion mean that we will see a men's World Cup team in from Canada representing uh, the nation at the 2026 World Cup? Well, obviously it doesn't guarantee anything, um, but if you are the host, you automatically get in. So uh, that would be one reason for Canada to really push to at least share the hosting uh uh, duties of uh, the World Cup because then you automatically get in and that would obviously grow the, the game huge, huge, huge in this country. Um, but other than that, uh, we are still ranked, from what I checked today, 117th in the world, which is <laughs> way, way down there. But that doesn't mean you don't necessarily have to be in the top 48 teams to get in. Each continent get, uh, is allotted a certain amount, of, a certain number of, uh, of places in the tournament. Uh, so uh, you don't necessarily have to be in that top 48, but because North America basically consists of three countries, uh, North America is obviously not going to be allotted that many spots, and we have some pretty good competitors in the U.S. and Mexico. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. And not to mention the other Latin American countries oh, as well. Yes, that of are course. Always, Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're always, always strong. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Something to look out for in 2026. Jason Friesen keeping his ear to the ground way into the future on uh, all matters of sports, and he'll be back with us later on uh, next month to bring another issue of sports-related prominence to our attention. And uh, as the CMU volleyball season starts up again in the next little while, what should we be watching for from our CMU Blazers? Oh, I think you can count on a very exciting second half of uh, the season. We just got back from a tournament in Edmonton. Sorry, not a tournament. Some exhibition games in Edmonton. Uh, and uh, the team showed really well. We uh, were resting a bunch of our starters, and uh, the bench uh, really held its own against some very strong competition out there. So uh, we're going to have a really, really well-rounded lineup for the second semester. So looking forward to it. Love it. Thanks a lot, Jason, for coming in. Thank you. Wonderful stuff there from uh, Jason to bring in uh, discussions about uh, about FIFA and like especially as the futsal season is kind of creeping up, I'm getting mm-hmm. some soccer in the veins. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? So like, it's nice to we get a bit of a preview of what's coming way way down the line uh, in terms of our Canadian teams. Yeah. So let's move into our um, arts and culture. Uh, what segment? do you call it? Segment? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I blanked on the word there for a second. <laughs> Arts and culture comment commentary? Is that is that an accessible thing we could call I, it? I think that's fair. That's fair? Yeah. Okay. Well, we've brought in our arts and culture uh, columnist. That's the word. Of our column. Gee whiz. <laughs> K- 
Kaler, come on, it's only January. <laughs> Kenji Dick is back with us again, second-year communications student here at CMU. How's it going, man? I'm doing very well. How about you guys? I'm, well, I'm all right. Uh, me too. Yeah. Good, good, good. So um, we talked a bit, uh, for those of our listeners who were at the um, – at our live show for Chris for uh, the Christmas gala, uh, we you talked a little bit about uh, Rogue One and your expectations about it a, a little bit there, and uh, yes. you have some you have something similar in terms of like uh, in terms of franchises that you want to bring to our attention today. Yes, so um, this de- this definitely actually does it. This is definitely in relation to the Star Wars franchise, and I hope to and I do want to bring it up in what I want to talk about today. But first of all, I just want to say that um, in the, with the end of every year, you normally have a bunch of teasers and trailers that come out for the upcoming season, right? This is where cinephiles look towards YouTube to find engaging stuff. So there's been a lot of interesting teaser, teasers that came out around this time, such as the Spider-Man Homecoming and the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 trailers that made Marvel fans very happy, and fans of the original 1984 Blade Runner. We're very excited to see the Blade Runner 2049 teaser come out, which I have to say is a very nicely done teaser and I really cannot wait for that film. Mm-hmm. Um, but another teaser that came out around this time on the eve of Christmas, actually, uh, made a lot of sci-fi horror fans rejoice, and that was the Alien Covenant teaser. Um, directed by Ridley Scott, this is the sequel to Prometheus from 2012, and here we're finally seeing the return of the famous terrifying icon that is the Xenomorph. And this trailer is th- has a bunch of action thrills and is also plenty, plenty gory. For those who have, uh, for those of who have not seen the trailer yet, and I apologize if this is a bit um, inappropriate, but like the trailer starts off with like it's with uh, chest, baby. With, like, <laughs> it starts off with like a, with, a, with a bit of blood, and then with someone getting an alien bursting out of his back, which was a clear Harkin <laughs> reference to the original chest bursting sequence of the original. Right. And this scene is supposed to set up what we can assume is going to be very much the violent tone of the movie. And while a lot of fans were very excited when this teaser came out, I myself am a little bit cautious because what I'm a little bit nervous about from seeing this teaser is that this only seems to reinforce this problem in Hollywood, which I feel is which I feel is that in order to fix a certain franchise, in order to gain fans back towards a franchise, all what you need to do is make momentary nostalgic references to certain famous moments in, in exchange for an actual engaging story. So, of course, I'm a bit cautious in f- making direct comments to Alien Covenant because this is the trailer and not the final film, right? And if Alien Covenant ends up being a great film, then that's wonderful. I'm very happy for that franchise because I'm an Alien fan, right? But I think there's a certain problem here. This this whole advertising for this movie has seemed to be Alien was great because it was gory. People remember that chest-bursting sequence like crazy because that chest-bursting sequence was iconic. That's the most iconic moment of the whole movie, right, of the original Alien. So we have a red band trailer. We have people tweeting about the movie saying it's a gory film, right? This is a return to Alien, right? This is clearly what they want you to remember. Not to mention they're, make, they're making the main character have clear, uh, clear, representat- uh, clear what do you call it, correlations to Ellen Ripley's character, Ellen Ripley, or Sigourney Weaver's character from the original Alien as well. And my problem is that, like, gore is not what actually made the original Alien great. It was, those moments were shocking, but they were so shocking because of what present, of what, what came before it. Alien is great because we had this wonderful, like, crescendo in tension. From the very first moment that we see that ship and we see that, that crew wake up to them discovering that desolate planet and that alien ship, there is this constant breathing, like, 
breathing tension that's coming down your back, coming down like the back of your neck or whatever, right? Like it's just building, right? And so then when that finally, when that chest bursting sequence happens, it feels appropriate, it feels right, and it, it still feels shocking. It is the most crazy, terrifying moment of that whole film, right? And what's brilliant is that like audiences didn't know about that sequence when that movie was coming out. The original teaser of the of the original Alien was subtle. It it just had these it just had a few brief images and it had that scary headline like in in space no one can hear you scream, right? So people didn't really see this coming. All that we knew is that there was something terrible happening and there's a bit, and that crew is very much screwed, right? So when that did happen, it was shocking, it was terrifying and people were just scared like, you know, crapless, right? So then we have this teaser, which kicks off right away with, oh, not a chest bursting scene this time. The alien's coming out of the person's back, right? Ooh, that's so <laughs> edgy, right? <laughs> and it's like, I cannot help but feel that, like, 20th Century Fox, feeling that, like, we need to get fans back to the audiences. We need to make clear, deliberate references to the moments that people remember, and that's what's going to drag them back in. But I feel like that we're losing a lot of subtlety from the original Alien movies by if we're, ha if we're cutting the trailer especially like this. Um, and again, this is not the final film. And I know that Ridley Scott has made great films before. Not only has he directed the original Alien, he's also directed Blade Runner, Gladiator, I also, and recently The Martian. Um, but I also understand he's directed a lot of bad movies as well, so who knows, right? <laughs> the thing is that, like, this is, and this is not something that's exclusive to the Alien franchise. Um, a lot of franchises of late have been doing this, right? And right. some can say Star Wars is a recent example of this. And Episode 4, Episode 7, excuse me, can also be a sign of this in that like in that a lot of people were pointing out that they're making very what do you call it? a lot of like there are a lot of like story connections to the original episode right or episode four but that, i think a lot of people were, were generally fine with this because of how engaging the characters were kylo mm -hmm. ren and ray were engaging enough characters that this was rather forgivable right when you have very bad decisions by say like tournament terminator genesis which their whole thought process was oh well you know what made the original what made the original two terminator movies great was Arnold Schwarzenegger. So let's have Arnold Schwarzenegger come back and let's make a bunch of references back to the original two movies, like such as the police car, such as the T-1000, and all these blatant references that they seem to have completely forgotten that, yeah, they seem to have completely forgotten an actual engaging story. And so we've got a very confusing time-travel-driven tra story with no character and just a bunch of flair. And so I'm just worried, so with this upcoming Alien Covenant teaser, well, it's up, not teaser, but this upcoming movie, I want it to be good. I really want it to be good because I'm a huge fan of the original Alien films. They're they're classics in like action and horror uh, film. But I'm just worried that like it seems that 20th Century Fox has just been following a trend of let's just have momentary, let's just have momentary nostalgic. No, so not momentary. Let's just have nostalgic moments, um, and that was and that will make a movie great. When really it's an actual thorough, well-made film has an engaging story is what makes the movie great. That's what made the originals great. So that's what I just want to say. This is something uh, of a, this is something of a returning argument that you keep that you've brought to us before. Like it's not about it's not about moments. It's about the full story. Yes. That's there you go. This is something to look for that we've got uh, that we got to watch for in uh, in in movies in the in 2017, I suppose. These new recovery because yeah, stories. Yeah. And I think I, as I last time talked about this, and I, I know we don't have a whole lot of time here, but as we, last time we talked about this, like the 2016 season was considered rather disappointing. And I think this was definitely one of the reasons why. And we we're all hoping that, oh, 2017 will be better. And maybe the Alien Covenant teaser is not making me terribly that happy. But I will just say, I, I did just mention the Blade Runner teaser, which 
it's funny because that's being produced by Ridley Scott, but like that teaser is like perfect, right? So there is some hope. And the reason why that's perfect is because it just gives you enough to, rec- to remember the tone, but it's going to be, an, it also gives you enough to think that it's a new engaging story. So yes, let's have some hope for 2017. <laughs> hope okay. for 2017. There you go. Kenji Wonderful. Dick providing ourselves, providing us with, uh, there you go, what's happening in the world of movies. And uh, we'd, we'll still go check out Alien because, you know aliens and bursting out of people's backs that that's what people like apparently there you go thanks a lot man (laughs) thank you and of course our last columnist of the day is our intrepid disappointer disappointee disappointer she's she's not a disappointer she's a disappointee she gets disappointed she does not ever disappoint isla manning is back for isla's disappointments happy new year thank you happy new year to you too how was christmas it was so wonderful i used so much lard and butter (laughs) amazing and like truly like disgusting amounts of corn syrup (laughs) (laughs) i do not want to look at those grocery bills (laughs) worth it but like it's in the past right oh yeah absolutely that does not sound disappointing at all no what has you disappointed today isla um this is something that i've been thinking about for the past four and a half months probably um, and it is CMU's practicum program. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm in my fourth year, which means that um, I'm doing a practicum because I want to graduate. And all CMU students who intend to get a degree from CMU need to do a practicum at some point. Um, if you did out of town, you likely got three credit hours through that, but you need to do six. Um, so I'm at a little graphic design firm, um, just kind of doing office stuff there, watching people, learning, figuring out InDesign, those kinds of things. Um, But because I'm doing this program through the school year, I'm also in a class, uh, which happens once a week. It's taught by Peter Epp this year, and it's wonderful. Like, that's super fun, super fine. Like, I actually, Peter makes it worth going to class. But, like, other than that, the practicum program is, like, very frustrating Hmm. first of all you are working somewhere um but you are not required to be paid so you need to put in 60 hours per semester for the type of practicum that i'm doing um which is in the end 120 hours um of labor that does not have to be paid and that's fine um not being paid at a practicum gives you a lot more freedom to spend time learning spend time making mistakes Um, The organization doesn't have to pay you to sit and listen. So, like, you have a lot of freedom, and I really appreciate that the practicum itself does not have to be paid, so you can work somewhere where they can't afford to have a student, but where you would benefit a lot from being there and learning. But CMU also charges you to do practicum, and they charge you the same amount as they would charge anyone for any class. So you're paying around $750 times two, for this practicum. So I'm paying $1,400, $1,500 for the privilege of working for free somewhere and then going to class once a week. Um, and the classes, they have some assignments, but like the marking is not super heavy. It's very participation based. Um, and I just feels a little bit like a money grab on behalf of CMU for something where the real learning should really be done at the work placement. What would you propose um, happen if you were if you were Red Star? If you put yourself in uh, Wesley Taves' shoes, hard as it might be, 
Because who can actually stand in that man's shoes? Very, very large shoes to fill. That's very right. precise shoes to fill. That's, <laughs> very, that's very true. How would you uh, go about uh, uh, reconstructing a practicum program so that perhaps you like have some sort of financial uh, incentive to m- like would you would you would you require that people get paid to do this i would I'm not i think require that students need to be paid at the practicum placements because it opens the door for a lot of maybe smaller organizations to have practicum students mm-hmm. um and it is still a learning experience and i don't think that payment would always result in the best um, practicum environments for students. However, I would suggest strongly that CMU reconsiders um, the amount that students have to pay to take practicum class through CMU. Maybe even like since we're in class for one hour and 15 minutes per week instead of two and a half hours, reducing the cost by half. Because if we're paying for the instructor's time, which I understand is valuable, if we're paying for the instructor's marking time, which I also understand is valuable, and um, for the classroom space and all that stuff, it's about half as much as a regular class. So even just cutting that $700 cost to like 350 or something like that would make practicum the amount of hours required outside of class unpaid usually to feel a little bit less like a financial burden because um, school is expensive. CMU is particularly expensive out of the universities in Winnipeg um, to have this additional cost where it doesn't feel like the administrative requirements for practicum are extraordinarily large. Not worth the $750 like a regular class might be. Abs- yeah, abs- that's a fantastic suggestion right there. I'm actually, so I'm curious now about what actually goes on in these practicum classes that maybe that team you can justify charging so much i'm music students don't have to actually do practicum at all oh interesting i didn't know that yeah so you have so many other things on your plate that makes a lot of sense well right i mean like every day we're we're practically applying our instruments to whatever we're trying to do Mm -hmm. i would assume there's logic behind that so uh in that regard like what actually happens in uh, that hour and 15 like you're just you you talked about a lot of the marks being participation based what does yeah a lot of the marks are participation based and a lot of it is like uh it's a pretty small group or a pretty small couple of groups this year um i understand it's not been that way in the past um so like seven eight people per class and you kind of uh check in with each other talk about how practicum's going for some people they could be at like really intense placements where they need to like debrief maybe with people who are outside of the practicum who aren't, aren't working at that organization but who like kind of understand um how things have been going there and so just providing like a community of support um and understanding for the placements as well as uh, there's presentations uh that you do in class about your placement or about some kind of larger idea or um, topic related to your placement uh, that happens in like the second semester. Um, There's a book review that you do. So you read a book or a couple of articles related to like what you're doing at your placement. Um, And then there's like an essay, a couple of reflection papers, but classes are generally more like discussion based um, talking with your peers sometimes there's like a lecture it really depends on like what the class wants but yeah definitely not a traditional class which makes sense because it's a practicum the bulk of the learning 
should really happen at your placement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, something interesting I wonder that comes in here is that I know you can do your practicum in the summer. You can do an intensive placement and that doesn't have the class. Um, mm -hmm. You have to do a lot more hours and it has to be within a smaller period of time. So if you're trying to do your practicum throughout the school year, that doesn't work. But mm -hmm. in the summer, it totally works just fine. It's like having a, uh, a job. Yeah. Um, my understanding is you still have to pay for that. Yeah. Which makes even less sense yeah. to me that That's you have to pay the full right. six credit hour cost for a couple of papers being filed by CMU. Because you don't even have a class then or an no. instructor. Or you don't have an instructor. Mm. You write a uh, learning covenant, which is like a document that kind of just outlines the kinds of things that you're hoping to learn, what you expect from your placement and what you expect to gain from your placement. Um, and then you write uh, essay at the end where you just kind of like reflect on all the things you learn, kind of go back to your learning covenant, take things from it. Um, but yeah, mm. you're still paying for that, yeah. which I think is even crazier. Yeah. Um, That's also time out of your out of time you have to make to like time you have to make money to you know yeah. spend money on tuition next yeah. <laughs> fall semester. And if you're yeah. like very lucky, you can get a placement that pays you. Say you have a summer job that happens to uh, like line up with. Uh, what your practicum placement could be, then, like, Have good news for you because you're getting paid to go to class, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not the case in a lot of... That's not the case in the majority of, of the cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is an interesting thing we'll uh, maybe have to look in a little bit further and uh, we'll hopefully maybe get some conversation about this on our Wittenberg door, our sister publication, uh, just uh, outside of Charlie Peranto's office, if anything to add to that. I know there was a lot of uh, dialogue on there last semester about issues that you brought up, Isla. So that was, um, I think, pertaining to student lockers. And now like we're coming into the new year full sw uh, like swinging, swing for the big guns here. This yeah, is, this and is like awesome. if I'm wrong about any of this like I would welcome being told that this is my understanding of how the practicum works from my own experience if it's different for anyone else like let me know let us know here absolutely. let us know in the Wittenberg door absolutely and also the learning covenant is probably the most CMU term I've ever heard in my life <laughs> it hurts <laughs> <laughs> I love it Isla Manning joining us with Isla's disappointments thanks for coming in Isla it's a pleasure to be here all right thank you Isla for that interesting topic you brought practicum I'll have to give it more thought. I would seriously though, if you have any thoughts about this, to put them on the Wittenberg door because yeah. that'd be a really fascinating, a fascinating discussion to have. And I wonder what kind of institutional response we get out of that. For sure. Who are we hearing this week on our local song? <clears throat> uh, for our local song, we've got another um, act from the coffee house that that happened at Christmas. Um, and this week we have Patrick Bin with an original song. Right on. Here Let's it. hear it. So this is a song I wrote, and. Uh, it's, it's a little deep, I gotta warn you, but um, it's about repentance and it's called awakening. So here it goes. It's late and I can't find my bed
sirens ring inside my head. How deep these wounds until I dare. Bear my heart and turn to prayer. What's awakening in me? Long I feign community. to disagree Christ I fear transparency but by your blood we shall agree What's awakening in me? A heart that's brave enough to see The one my own darkness had slain Who suffered loss that I may gain? We wanted more than we could hold. When the walls come tumbling down, we'll praise the one who can bear the crown. What's awakening in me? that's brave enough to see the one my own darkness has slain who suffered loss that I may gain
Thank you very much. Great song, Patrick. Thanks again for that. Yeah. So what else is coming up in the next little while at CMU? And that by a little while, I mean for the next couple of days until we record another podcast. So we've got, of course, tons of sports to get to um, in terms of what happened in the last little while. I'm just pulling out all the scores here. We've got from the futsal court, men's and women's futsal were both in action. Uh, women's futsal took a 5-2 victory. Then men's futsal won 4-5, both over St. Boniface. So nice job wow. to our men's and women's futsal teams. Off to a hot start. In, uh, and they both, and, and like uh, St. Boniface won last year. So like taking a, a couple wins off them this early in the year is nice. quite a great sign. So who else? Women's volleyball and men's volleyball both took 3 nothing wins against uh, Red River in the past little while. Women's basketball taking out a uh, 91-32 win over OHCC along with the men who had an 84-73 win over OHCC and it's wins all around. Basketball continues to dominate as as we continue to go into uh, the beginning of February and we're looking at playoffs already. We're staring them down a little bit down the road. So in terms of other sports elements, what have we got here? Uh, men's basketball in action uh, at Red River this weekend on January the 20th, which I believe is Friday. Yes. And then they're also playing uh, Red River. They're coming here on Saturday night uh, to face us here at the Lowen. That's for both men and women. So if you can't make it out to Red River, then uh, you can come check check them out here Saturday night on the uh, futsal court our next games in action are going to be on the 22nd or they'll the men's and women's futsal teams will be at Red River that's on the 22nd which is on Sunday games there are in the evening in volleyball uh, men's and women's volleyball are in action uh, both uh, both Friday and Saturday, they are taking on the Assiniboine College Cougars. They're making the trek from Brandon to come play us here. So go and cheer on your Blazers. Fan of the Month is still on, by the way. Ooh, exciting. So you exciting. gotta go check that out. Nicolene, what else is going on? What else is going on? Um, <clears throat> This Thursday, uh, the 19th, is Taco Thursday. To So go join the Commuter Assistance, um, but I believe it's open to everyone, Commuter and Res, um, in the Great Hall at noon on thursday and bring your favorite topping to share um also uh psychology student meeting in the lecture hall uh tomorrow the 18th at lunchtime um 
what else? Oh, a reminder to everyone that this is a scent-free campus and we have a scent-free policy, so um, if you respect that, that's been in the daily recently. Yes, indeed. I've been experimenting with various scent-free products uh, <laughs> in the last little while. Uh, my girlfriend having a scent allergy, ah, so I've discovered I've discovered the joys of scent-free shampoos. I often find that when I go in public places, I'm actually like notice scents way more because I'm used to being on campus. Very interesting. Another event going on, not uh, at CMU, uh, but uh, in the outside world this yeah. week. Oh, there's an outside world. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is the um, event. It's connected with UW. The, it's called the Uniter Fiverr, happening at the Goodwill this Thursday at uh, 8 p.m. Uh, and the, sh the doors are at the 8 p.m. and the show is at 9. Um, and this is a whole bunch of local bands that have been voted as favorites. Um, and one of them is Rosebud. So Rosebud uh, is, has a lot of CMU connections. Uh, those who go to Sargent Avenue Mennonite Church will know th uh, the pastoral ministry team there and uh, Nate Diavia. And um, we also have Zach Rempel, who also has some decent CMU connections. And it's connected to CMU in other ways in that the former host and guru of this very podcast, <gasps> Daniel Friesen, oh, was yes. in on the production team uh, doing some of the mixing and mastering on that project. And uh, what's the other connection I'm thinking of? Oh, guest vocals featuring CMU's own Kenzie Jane. Yep past guest on this very <laughs> podcast and maybe she will be featured at that show you're only gonna have to go and find out of course yeah so best of luck to rosebud in the uniter fiver it's some fantastic music fantastic concerts and well supportive of cmu bands finn has also been a past guest in uh, that show which is a wonderful wonderful opportunity i think that is all for this week as always you can subscribe on itunes or the podcatcher of your choice i wonder actually how you are subscribing to your our podcast here what other podcast apps are there? I don't know. I Let mean, us know. <laughs> Let us know. Email us, wittenbergradio at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at Wittenberg Radio. We are on Facebook as well at Wittenberg Radio. Wittenbergradio.com is a place to check out past episodes. And uh, you can also see our Twitter feed there. I always forget that you can see the Twitter oh, feed at cool. the bottom of the yep. website. Yep. Okay, until next time, my name is Nolan Kaler. And I'm Nicolene Klaassen-Weeb. Catch you later. Thank you.